Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. O gracious and most glorious Father, we give you thanks and praise that you sit above all uh, seraphim, all angels, all things, all creatures, great and small, that you have made all things for your glory. Lord, as we come before you tonight, we pray that we would be able to behold this glory, be able to grab hold of this peace which surpasses all understanding. We pray that you'd give this this peace not through our own intellect, but only through the Spirit to work within us. Lord, work in our hearts and our minds that we might be able to grab hold of this peace and rest in this peace in this very season. And we pray in Christ's name, amen. Hear now the word, Lord, from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 to 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. As they are glad when they divide the spoil for the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it. And uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. At this time of year, do we really grasp and comprehend the idea of peace? To be able to fathom peace is quite a difficult task to have your long list of to-dos and to-buys and to, to avoids, cards to write, gifts to buy and wrap, meals to prepare. Can you really call what we do in that part in preparation peaceful? The chaotic nature of what we find in this life, and even merely just outside of this season, can we really call what we do and what we live in peaceful? In our world, often filled with noise, conflict, busyness, as we gather here tonight, can we really grasp, the comprehend the idea of peace? What does it truly mean when Isaiah prophesies that There will be a son that is given that will be the prince of peace. That in him this peace will surpass and 
have no end. In our individual lives, we grapple with all of these various challenges, loss of loved ones to financial uncertainties that cast shadows over our houses. We navigate the complexities of relationships, marital strife, parenting challenging challenges, the heart-wrenching experiences of saying goodbye to those who we hold dear. Yet in this precisely these moments, this vulnerability and struggle that the promise that Christ is our Prince of Peace takes profound significance. Or even just broadly outside of ourselves and our homes, not merely just as people, but as a community. Conflicts and, and wars tearing at the fabric of nations, economic disparities causing ripples of unrest. The need for the Prince of Peace resonates more than just who we are individually. In the quietude of this season, let us open our hearts to be able to understand what this truly means that Christ is our Prince of Peace. Who, in admits the chaos, brings divine serenity that surpasses all understanding. That Christ came into this world, securing for us peace that we can have this very night. Well, how does this happen? Well, the world, in its beginning in Genesis chapter 1, says that that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Here God is, the Father, Son, and Spirit from all eternity past. And there's nothing. There's every, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. Chaos ensued the world. Without form and void, darkness... Waters, this image of uncontrollable chaos, sailing the high seas was never certain, particularly when you think about the time where no radars, no sonars, small ships with small rudders being guided by the stars. And yet what we see in this chaos world is God then brings order to it. He made the world, creating light, separating it from the darkness, forming the sea and the sky, shaping the ground of the mountains, filling each with rulers, the sun and the stars in the sky, the birds over the heavens, the fish in the sea, the creatures great and small, mankind. And in the end, this world filled with chaos that ensued has now got order and structure. And God saw that everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And what was made with order and structure, peace, as Adam and Eve lived in this garden filled with all serenity. There was no war, no chaos, no sin. Yet, chaos came and appeared once more. Disorder crept in. Adam and Eve ate what God had forbidden, bringing the world into disarray, into darkness. 
And God promised at that moment chaos would now ensue. In this world, Satan would fight against God's people. Conflict would be had between God's people and Satan's people. Not only merely just that this would happen, there's not only conflict of great extremities, but also within the household. The wife was to have pain in childbirth. She was set against her husband. The man was to toil and strife against what he was created to do, to work. Work the fields. And what we see is chaos continues. Brother against brother. Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, fought. Cain murdering Abel ended in death. In a short time, what we saw was peace and serenity was taken away, ruined. Now we have war, arguments, sin. Adam and Eve have tension, conflict, hostility, violence, all because of this sin. Now, it doesn't stop merely in Genesis chapter 4. It continues. Wars, fights, conflicts, not only in nations, but against people. Fighting over possessions, opinions, traditions, conditions, decisions. Not only in nations, but households. Not only merely in households, but individuals against one another. But even in our own lives, we would agree that there's chaos and conflict that ensues within our own hearts. We face it day in and day out. How can you find peace in a world like this? And even if we were to be able to find peace, it would only be for a time. You can crawl into a closet and lock yourself in there, but eventually you'd have to come out. Most of the time, conflict would ensue as soon as we open our mouths once more. Chaos is all around us. That's exactly what's happening in the book of Isaiah as he writes this prophecy. Isaiah was probably born in one of the greatest heights of political success and and nation success in the northern tribes, but also in the southern tribes as well. Uzzah had ruled for a long period of time, 52 years, Judah had grown exponentially. He was prosperous. The boundaries had extended. Speaking, this would be a peaceful time politically as a nation. And here Isaiah is born. And in Isaiah chapter 6 comes. In the year that King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord upon a throne. Now chaos comes back. And chaos is, is around the corner. The northern kingdom is going to collapse to Assyria. The southern kingdom would uh, get very close in 701 under Hezekiah. And in the midst of all this chaos and all this surrounding wars and battles and conflict and tension... Isaiah writes of this child who is to be born. 
the son who is to be given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. We're told his name. He's going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. The increase of his government and peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. That here in the midst of this chaos, the Prince of Peace comes. This Prince of Peace that has never-ending, never-ceasing peace. Now the problem is not Assyria. The problem is the sin that drives all of this conflict. The problem is the sin that started right in the Garden of Eden, that perfect place with peaceful. It was peaceful. And sin has been inherited from all men, from Adam. Not only are we war it with each other because of this sin, we're actually at war with God. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that we're dead in our trespasses and sin. We're following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit is a now work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we are once lived with passions of our flesh, carrying our desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Where is this peace? Where can we find this peace? We can try and we can strive, but striving is not really a way that you obtain peace. Horatio Bonar explains of this man, and he goes out and he sought to be able to find peace. In the bitterness of his spirit, and he sets forth, and he, and he tries to work and to pray in order to try and obtain this peace. He doubled down the amount of his devotion, saying to himself, surely God will give me peace. But peace did not come. Well, so he goes, well, he sets up family worship, saying, surely God will give me peace. But peace did not come. At last, he, he bethought himself to having prayer meeting in his house as a certain remedy. He fixed the night, called his neighbors, prepared himself, conducting the meeting by writing a prayer and learning it by heart. As he finished the operation of learning it, preparatory to the meeting, he threw it down on the table and said, Surely that will do. God will give me peace now. And in this time, he had a conflicting thought against all that he tried to be able to do to be able to grab and to grasp and to strive for this peace. He said, no, that will not do. But Christ will. Straight away, the scales fell off his eyes and the burden off his shoulders. Peace poured in like a river. Christ will do was his watchword for life. Peace is not something that you strive to be able to attain because striving you would never find peace. And if you did, you would lose it. Peace is not something you're looking for or seeking to be able to find. Peace is a person. 
Jesus Christ, who comes into the world of chaos, quenches the flame of conflict, chaos, and calamity. Again, Paul later in Ephesians chapter 2 explains, But now in Christ Jesus, as you were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down the flesh of dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two. So making peace might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. That there is no universal peace until the Prince of Peace appears. The peace comes in the form of a person, Jesus Christ, who shed His blood to be able to break down that conflict that stood between us and God. To be able to take that old man that we inherited from Adam that is from our original sin and to be able to give us a new one. On the night when Christ was born and the angels met the shepherds as they watched their flocks. They tell these shepherds of what it is they are to go. This good news of great joy for all people. There's one who has been born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. That you'll be able to see this sign, this babe, wrapped in a swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. But as the multitude of angels sang in their heavenly chorus, praising God, they said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, Peace among those whom he is pleased. Not only is there peace when Christ comes, as peace God, as Christ leaves us, he leaves us not in this chaos, but he leaves us with a helper to be able to give us peace. As he's telling his disciples of his journey back to heaven, explains in John chapter 14 that he speaks these, to, these things to them while they're still there. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things to bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them not be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. Thomas Watson explains that if God be our God, He will give us peace in trouble. When the storm is without, He will make peace within the world can create trouble in peace, but God can create peace in trouble. 
As we think about this season as, as the Prince of Peace coming into the world to be able to give us peace. He is our peace. I invite each of you to be able to consider the state of your heart. In a world where chaos often seems to reign, where conflicts and uncertainties surround us, the question lingers, do you truly know this Prince of Peace? It's not about hearing the story, it's about embracing the reality of who Christ is. The one who has broken down that wall of hostility that gives us this peace that surpasses all understanding. You carry with you the assurance that no matter what storms come, the Prince of Peace is your anchor that holds you fast. Let us not merely just celebrate a child being born, but a son who has been given to us. This Prince of Peace who has gone and ascended to the Father as we worship and glorify the triune God, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and the Spirit comes to be able to give us peace in the times of trouble. In our struggles, in our chaos, in our tension, In a world filled with turmoil, fix your eyes on the one who is the Prince of Peace. Seek him in prayer. Open the pages of Scripture and see the sovereign God ruling over all. Ask for his spirit to be able to give you that peace that surpasses all understanding in troubled times. For in knowing the Prince of Peace, we find this peace that transcends understanding. This peace that remains unshaken, unbroken, eternal. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are our peace. In trouble, in times of need, Lord, give us this peace that surpasses all understanding. Thank you for sending your Son into this world to be able to break this wall of hostility that we might have peace with you. That while we're still enemies, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Give us this peace this very day and days to come. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.